0: Back in the mid-2000s at a financial brand in Connecticut, I met the millennial generation for the first time. Today I want to talk to you about that and also why it is so important for you to intentionally engage this generation now that they are all adults because what I saw that first day is still resonating right now. Welcome to Season 10 of The Power Performance. You're me and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dyes, broadcasting and podcasting live from the Structure First studio of Eloquence Online. Structure First are... Our sponsor on the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more in that musical and performance vernacular? If you are planning on building a new branch or a new headquarters building, you want to check out our friends at Structure. First, this conversation about the millennials today is absolutely germane to the design business. When we look at how the square footage Per employee has gone from you know 300 square feet back in the late 90s and early 2000s to maybe half of that today because obviously the you know the desktop computer which used to be the size of a small RV has now been replaced by all of these beautiful touchscreen and elegant devices we simply don't need as much space as we once did and when we talk about the need to personalize things especially for the millennial generation this is exactly what they do at structure first they want to find a way to make sure that your brand beacon that beautiful building that you have speaks yes as a single entity to this very, very diverse generation, the Millennials. I know in the past I've complained we talk about the Millennials too much, which of course any Gen Xer is gonna complain about that because we never talk about Generation X, but what we're gonna talk today about the Millennials and my experience. And like I said, the first time I really got it, the first time I really understood how very different they were gonna be, that all factors into how you design your, your spaces and your buildings and your brand and considering they're going to be about 60% of the marketplace over the next decade it makes sense to understand them and so I want to talk to you today about that welcome back happy new year I cannot believe it is season 10 uh, officially it'll be March when we we started the show I think it was March 5th in 2010 My buddy Scott McKenna said, hey, have you ever heard about this thing called Block Talk Radio? You can have your own online radio show in less than 30 minutes. I looked down at my watch. It was like 1130. I said, okay, let's do one today at noon, and that's how the entire thing started. I want to thank everybody. Everyone that has been a part of this show, Dr. Troy Hall, who was a co-host for so many years, the iteration of the show has been through the ups and the downs. We were the Friday show on the CU Water Cooler. None of those shows are still broadcasting, and there's a very simple reason for it. None of them were very good. Here we have stood the test of time. We've gone from a 30-minute show to more of a 15-minute show podcast, but there's still a lot of great relevant information. And what a stroke of luck it was to come across Brit Boatwright last year and got to talking to them and these guys at Structure First. They they not, they may not be the biggest design firm in the world, but there was something very, very appealing to me about how they went about their business. And so we're very, very excited to be working with Structure First here on the Structure First Power of Performance show. So today we're going to talk about meeting the Millennials, for the first time I, I when I was in my and I was in my uh, professional speaking days when this occurred i'll tell you all about that after the break. but I used to talk about this thing um, when did the rumor become the reality as a professional speaker, I was always looking for those moments where the audience really started to pay attention, when they really started to, hey, this guy might actually know what he's talking about. And when I would put that question up on the big screen, when did the rumor become the reality? It was 2004 at an all-employee event in Colorado, at a bank in Colorado, where one of the young people came up to me and said, hey, do you ever use Netflix? Because I made jokes about BCRs and things like that in those days, and I had no idea what that person was talking about. And then it was a couple of weeks later, somebody else asked me about Netflix. The rumor, the rumor, and was becoming the reality. Now, like many of you, there is a you know item on my bank statement every month for. Netflix, although the thought of waiting two days for DVDs that have been seen by 15,000 other people arriving in these little red envelopes seems a bit outdated, but there was a moment there where it was just kind of a rumor, and then it became something that I would use all the time. And, of course, they've evolved into a streaming service. Look at all these streaming services that dominate these award shows now. Nobody anticipated that. In 2004, everything this year, 2020 in focus, you know, the decade in focus. As a historian, which is what I am by training. I believe the best thing you can do as you prepare for the future is to learn from the past. There was only one person on LinkedIn in the middle of 2019 who kept telling the wizards of smart, the uh, the economist from NAPQ, the economist from CUNA, the economist from the ABA, whoever it was, who was predicting a recession towards the end of the year that it was not going to happen. Well, you're not an economist. no. I'm a historian, and we are in a historical cycle now that in a free market can be counted on to be consistently true every 80 years or so. I didn't base that correct prediction, by the way, on economics. I based it on history, and I was right because we are not presently in the throes of a recession. So it is a happy and prosperous new year. Remember what I said, if if you are looking to actually save money on your next building project, check out our friends at Structure First, and the way that they do things, as they become your project manager, as they deal locally with contractors, putting those local reputations on the line as they design your beautiful new space, remember, that's the best way to save money, because those contractors have to stick around after the project is over, and if they want to get another job... They've got to do yours right. Every branch makes a statement. What does yours say? Because it was the empty palette that I saw one afternoon and how it had changed dramatically the next day, which is the beginning of the story about meeting the millennials for the first time. And we're going to talk about it and we're going to do it all right after this. You are listening to the Power Performance Conference quality information without the expense report. In your eye. That is right, the unmistakable sound of the pride of North Carolina, Roberta. And you had to have that on the turntable back in the day. Uh, a lot of great hits from Roberta Flack. Talk about leaving the audience wanting more Roberta Flack. Certainly did and continues to do that. She's well under her 80s now. I don't know if she's still singing, but anyway. So I am, uh, at the time, I mentioned this, uh, another show that I had landed ankles backwards into a career that I did not even know existed, and that is you would go out as a professional speaker, and as I used to jokingly say, um, you would basically make a living giving a 60- to 90-minute keynote to an audience of people who could have Googled that stuff for themselves. Now, to be fair, in 2003, 2004, when I was really getting ramped up i didn't even have a website i didn't there was no social media um you know we have a, a adba i call it bs before social and it really didn't exist in any meaningful way but when it blew up a few years after this experience i totally understood why now because my Topic when I was speaking, it was called Generations. It was talking about how to intentionally engage your audience of multi generational. Demographics, and in those days, I actually started with the World War II generation, and I would have that famous picture of the kiss—you know, the sailor kissing the nurse in Times Square when the Japanese surrendered—with the with the Bing Crosby Les Paul song behind it. Kiss me once, and kiss—and people just loved that. It was a very, very visual, musical performance that I put on uh, while everyone else was doing PowerPoint presentations and stuff like that, and so. I was finding some success with it, but what I had not anticipated is that you would go to these events. And this particular event, it was for the New England Marketing Association, and so there were all kinds of financial brands there. And it was this one particular brand in Connecticut uh, right by the airport, as I recall, my favorite airport by the way, when I was traveling because the hotel was connected to it there in Hartford, and it was just a dream to get off the airplane. Um, you know, I didn't check bags in those days. A walk uh, around the corner into the lobby of the hotel, so just a side note: if you're ever flying into Hartford, if you, if, I think it's still a Radisson, it's a great spot um, to stay. Although at night I was a little concerned. I hope they've got the 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 hotel clearly marked as all these airplanes are landing, you know, 500 meters from where I was where I was sleeping. Well, the the fact that I talked about generation. Well, the other thing that I was going to tell you is that you would go to these events, you know, three or four hundred people, and afterwards the the folks that were there and there were a lot of sea level people and you don't typically send you know tellers and people like that to these events, people with some decision-making influence would come up and, hey, I really enjoyed that. Um, we'd love to you come do that for one of our all-employee days. I Not only did I know that, not know that you could make a living as a professional speaker, I didn't fully appreciate all the follow-up business that became part of it. And at this particular time, there was a lot of talk about, hey, how do we reach the young people, which honestly at the time everyone was calling Generation Y. Somewhere along the way, that linguistically became the millennials, and given that they really came into their own in the first you know, decade or so of the 21st century, 2000, I think millennials probably a better way to describe them as a side note. I think when we look back, demographically speaking, we're getting into a new generation in 2020. We just won't know what to call him for another four or five years probably. Also, well, this particular financial brand was interested because they were doing something that I still say to this very, very day is the best practice for intentionally engaging future car and home buyers, and that is to put your brand where they have to be, not where you think they might go, not where you hope they go, but where they have to be. And here in Texas, 180 days out of the year, that is at High school or a middle school, and this particular financial brand was going to experiment with basically a mobile branch set up at the high school cafeteria. Now, you have to remember, it's 2004. It is not as easy as sending over a laptop with Wi-Fi and you know, airdropping the data processing screen into an iPad Pro. This required quite a bit of cabling and old-fashioned T1 lines and stuff like that. More importantly, this financial brand correctly surmised that it would be best if high school students from this high school were actually the employees and they would be overseen by uh, one of the teller supervisors that would rotate. And, of course, this branch was only going to be open a couple days a week. Now, that meant that the young people – these were high school students, mind you, over 16. These were upperclassmen – had to learn how to use the data processing system. And of course of course in those days it was all, you know, FISERV and you know, all the core data processing systems that you've heard of. Very, very old school, you know, this four key combination for a deposit, this four key combination for a balance transfer, or whatever the case may be. Well they took me in the back to show me where, the, where they had set up the training station, which was going to start the next day. The training was actually going to start the next day. So the CEO and the VP of marketing take me back, and in the back of the main building, they have this – basically a conference table uh, with four seats set up and pushed up against a white wall. And I thought, okay, well, that's – Cool. And they had the little terminals, four terminals, sitting in front of them. I thought, well, no big deal. Uh, the, the, the kids were coming in after school. Uh, to get set up, and I didn't really know what that meant. I, I figured they were going to show them how to log in and stuff like that, but that the actual training would begin in earnest the next day. I had flown in that day. My real first official day of working and consulting on that particular trip was also going to start the next day as I was going to be giving the generation session to their branch managers the following morning, and it didn't seem like I was going to see the kids because they were going to be coming in at the end of the day when I had already left. Well, the next morning I came in, and that is when I met the millennials for the first time, even though they were not there. I went to the back to grab a cup of coffee or whatever. I could not believe the transformation that had occurred around those four CRT monitors and the keyboards and those four chairs. Uh, I, there was, the, the kids had brought in their own name tags. They had created their own dividers with stuff they had culled from the credit union. One of my one of my jokes when I was speaking is I'd say you can tell how long someone's worked at a bank by going into their office and counting the three ring binders behind them on the shelf that haven't been opened in 10 years. And so the young people found some of those and used those to divide these four spaces. And in every four, each of those four spaces, I found out Everything I needed to know about those young people, their name, uh, what kind of stuffed animals they liked, what their favorite color was, what kind of sports they played, were they in the band, where they went to school. It, 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 a white wall and a white table had been transformed into my, – my first thought it looked like somebody was celebrating a birthday on that table – streamers, and paper, and colored pencils, and colored cardboard, and these elaborate name tags that they had made. And I even asked, I said, did y'all do this? They said, no, they came in last night and did this, after school, yesterday, and did this themselves. And so two or three years later, when everyone was talking about MySpace, and then, of course, that's displaced by Facebook, I completely understood why those things Kicked off the way they did. And it was no surprise to me. And that need to personalize everything continues to drive the millennial marketplace right now. When I was young, three channels and PBS, it was. A couple of things for everyone now with the streaming services, now that the rumor has absolutely become the reality, it's anything for anyone. If you're into people driving trucks on frozen roads in Alaska, you can watch that. If you're into shows about uh, people who expatriate and go find a property somewhere overseas, you can get that too. If you're into gardening, whatever your niche is, whatever your interest is, you can get that instantly downloaded to your phone to your iPad to your Roku device to your Apple TV and so that that individualizing of the marketplace which I first saw is going to impact everything and especially internally you know when I took that tour up in Lubbock of that beautiful new building and I saw where they were placing the virtual tellers, the ones that the, you pick up your phone and basically FaceTime after authentication with an employee of the bank. It was these little spaces. It wasn't even the size of what we used to call a cube. It was a very, very tight space. And as you can imagine, um, those things were personalized right away by the people that were coming in to work there. So you might say that everybody does that. Yes, we all decorate our offices. I don't know that had I been sitting down that afternoon to spend uh, two weeks training on a CRT monitor, I would have taken the time as a Gen Xer to make sure everybody knew this was my two-foot by two-foot space on this eight-foot table. But what they did was the, the, the transformation was so, so stark that, of course, I began telling that story uh, on on my speaking circuit, and it, I've never forgotten it. So it was really was the first time meeting the millennials for the first time. How personalized, how individualized can your products actually be? We sometimes argue about banking products being a bit of a commodity. It's become a, a little bit commoditized. That happens over time, but there are ways internally and externally to engage your audience and your employees that speak to this generational dynamic that is absolutely yeah. Unmistakable, And we're going to continue talking about these general thing, generational things on the show this year as we weave in guests. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up. They're going to talk about a beautiful, beautiful new headquarters building. Um, they're going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to ask them about that. You know, Tell us about how it impacts this beautiful new space, how it impacts the employees that come to work every day, as well as the audience of uh, member owners that come to do business there each and every day. Hey, we're looking forward to a great year on the show. My name is Jason Dyes. You've been listening to the Structure First Power Performance, the show that asks the questions, if your brand were a band, would you leave this multi-generational audience wanting more? We want to help you do just that. And until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week.